Kia ora, you're listening to Speak Out Radio on 106.1 FM. I'm your host for today, Compass, and I use they, them pronouns, and I'm here today with... Hi, I'm Shay. I'm also uh, just appearing on here today, <laughs> and you can use whatever pronouns, but we'll just go with they, them right now. Sweet as. Um, we're, um, today, we're recording on the same day that this is coming out, which never happens. I'm always like, <laughs> two days beforehand, I'm like, oh, I should record something and then come in and record. Um, but today it is Trans Remembrance Day, um, just to remember all of like our trans that have um, passed away because, you know, police brutality, because of... The AIDS, HIV epidemic, all of those sort of things, and just remembering the people that, um, you know, fought for us to have all of the things that we have today. And we're still fighting, but they put up an amazing fight and so grateful for them and all of their work. They paved the way. Yeah, exactly. Um, and this is a, actually a great day to sort of record this on because. Last episode, I talked to Will Hansen, the one and only, um, who I love with all of my heart, uh, about um, Tapapa's new trans um, making trans histories archives, where they um, they asked a whole bunch of trans and gender diverse people to bring an object to photograph and to write a little story about that object. And this Sunday, last Sunday, we had the launch of that where basically a whole bunch of people that were involved with that project got together. There were a couple speeches that was really nice and emotional. And we also, we made badges. Like they had a badge maker there and we made badges. So now I have like three badges and I love all of them. I'm yeah. sad I wasn't there for that. Now. Yeah. <laughs> but you were involved with the project. Yeah. That I was. Yeah. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your object? and mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I actually found out about this project that was going on through three sources, one from Will himself from a private message, one from a trans group I'm a part of, and also one from Inside Out. And originally I actually, um, had a whole bunch of things that I was just thinking they all work. Um, what I ended up going with was my new laptop. And for me, it kind of just held a whole bunch of opportunities that, could so easily be taken away, whether it be uh, editing, surfing the web, applying for a whole bunch of jobs, using software, so many possibilities that can be chosen by the person who's using the object. Yeah, and I guess as well, like social media connects so many trans and gender diverse people Mm -hmm. um, that that's a really, you know, powerful tool as well. It really is. It's probably the main way I actually learnt about my trans and Mm. rainbow identity as a whole. Um, Without the internet, I would not know about Inside Out. Yeah, yeah. And I probably would not have met you. Yeah. Oh, buddy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Buddy. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. It was sort of... I I saw you come in uh, because we did the same... We took photos on the same day at the Inside Out office and you walked in with your laptop and I was like... Shay, where's your object? <laughs> and I, I didn't, it didn't click for me that your laptop was your object. Because um, I think I was thinking of it of like, it didn't cross my mind that something like that it is so powerful, especially in your yeah. own journey and discovering. And you do art design, right? And you do I a do. lot of photography. 
So that must be like a massive part of your life and how you express yourself. Yeah, um, I spent like nearly two grand buying <laughs> that secondhand laptop. <laughs> um, and that was an upgrade from my last laptop that I got with my um, course writer costs last year, mm. which died under my um, university work. Yeah. <laughs> so getting this needle laptop was like carrying the weight of all my previous years and adding it to what will hopefully be an improvement in coming years, mm. whether it be an identity and rainbow stuff or through um, adv- advocacy or yeah. just through my degree in design. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of opportunities, a lot of possibilities. Just love new technology. Just love it. Yeah. But not the price tag. Yeah, not the price tag. <laughs> Whenever something's over like 150, I'm like, I'm not even going to look at it, you know? Yeah. Sometimes I find it funny to go into places and laugh at the brands that are way overpriced for what they offer. <laughs> <laughs> That's always interesting. Yeah. Okay, this is like, and then I just go to Kmart and I'm like, <laughs> it's perfect here. Yeah. It won't last me longer than two months, but it's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I You weren't able to come to the launch, but it was really amazing to sort of see all of our objects uh, up on this slideshow while people were talking and you can go and look at all of the objects and all of the stories um, up on Tapapa's website under trans past, trans present, making trans histories. Um, all of the objects that are there, they're all with all of our stories. Um, and it's not in within Tapapa's physical space. It's entirely just an online exhibit, which means that there are a lot of opportunities for people to use it, you know. Mm in lots of different ways and capacities, but it also means that we're able to add to it really easily or the the, the team at Tapapa um, able to add to it really easily. So it can sort of be this like continuously growing archive. So yeah, which is super exciting. Super it's also hype. pretty cool that it's accessible throughout the entire country as mm. opposed to just the Wellington region now. Cause I know a lot of my friends when I was up in Auckland had heard of Tapapa and knew that it had a lot of um, cultural connections, but it was in Wellington, and it was a museum. Yeah, yeah. Which, yeah, I agree with that. Like, so many people are going to be able to access it, which they wouldn't have been able to had it been a physical exhibit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point, very good point. Um, And... We are here because it's Trans Remembrance Day and last week was Trans Awareness Week. So we're just going to talk about a whole bunch of stuff about being trans because that's what we love to do. (laughs) (laughs) It's our favourite topic. Um, I guess a good place to start would sort of be like your journey with your gender and all of that. If you're you're keen to to chit-chat about that. Yeah, sure. I can't imagine that there'd be many like young children listening to this and if you are hello yeah hello young children welcome i wish this existed when i was a young child yeah i say that like i'm really old right now yeah <laughs> shay's actually 80 <laughs> <laughs> not quite not quite yeah um but yeah m- one of my earliest memories of realizing that something was wrong was at kindergarten mm. when we had two slides one was blue and one was yellow and then some of the kids I was playing with said, the boys go down the blue slide, the girls go down the yellow slide. 
And that made me mad because I wanted to go down the blue slide. Yeah. And they wouldn't let me. <laughs> the two genders of blue and yellow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That really annoyed me. And yeah. I still went down the blue slide because screw gender roles. Not yeah. that I knew what that was at the time. Yeah. Um, but I began realizing throughout primary school that there were girls' lines and boys' lines. Mm. There was a girls' changing room and a boys' changing room. And friend groups suddenly were, like, groups of girls and groups of boys. And my friend groups were the odd, like, mixture. Yeah. But when you're a kid, you don't really... Well, maybe you do. I'm just oblivious. Mm. But you don't really take notice of that as much, unless it's forced down your throat. Yeah. Um... I, I agree like I definitely had that experience of as well of like friend groups would then break up into groups of boys and girls and mm. if you were like so people thought you were a girl and you hung out with the guys it was sort of like I don't know you weren't entirely welcome there or something and it's mm. yeah and then if people that were assumed to be boys went and hung out with girls they were like bullied for being gay or something like that if, but I think as young people or, like, young kids, you don't really recognise that that's what's happening until yeah. you get the, the language and the experience to put to that. Yeah, you, you're you really aware of what the older people are doing, but you don't realise what they mean. You're yeah. just trying to follow through with what seems to be okay or not. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's really interesting as a kid of, like, you never... I feel like a lot of kids do take notice of it, but aren't able to put it into into words, mm-hmm. which I think is a really positive thing that we're seeing now of kids being able to put words to their identity and put words to what they're experiencing. And also, now that the internet is so widespread, actually being able to access a whole bunch of resources that might not have even been there for them. Mm, yeah. Shout out to Inside Out resources. <laughs> go, go look at them. A lot of cool resources, especially for trans kids in schools. Look at them. Definitely. Go check definitely. Let's turn into ASMR. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess for the most part, that stuff kind of goes unnoticed until it suddenly hits the puberty area when everybody's like, red alarm, red alarm, red alert, be yeah. careful. Yeah. That was when, yeah, that was not a fun time. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it's not a fun time for anybody, but for trans people especially, it's just sort of, like, hellish. Yeah. Yeah. Prior to then, I could go under the radar and the people who knew me would be like, they'd say I'm a female and all that stuff, and the people who didn't know me would just accept me as a boy. Yeah. So I could go either way enough until it came to the puberty time when it was suddenly targeting me move there go yeah. there you listen to this and I would just walk out of the room yeah <laughs> yeah oh I had that experience as well of when I was younger before I had puberty it was I remember very distinctly having a memory of uh, I used to do gymnastics when I first moved here to New Zealand and I was put into the boys group with gymnastics and they had no clue that <laughs> that you know, maybe I shouldn't have been there until I came wearing a Winnie the Pooh shirt. And then they were like, oh, wait. 
and put me in the girls group and then I quit gymnastics. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So now I can't even do a roly-poly. Yeah. I failed that though. Yeah. Yeah. I tried to do one like I think it was two weeks ago and I like entirely destroyed my back. I was like oh, not doing that ever again. Oh gosh. <laughs> it was a lot. Yeah. 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 Oh gosh. Now that you mentioned at sports teams <sighs> when when that started I don't know, in primary school it was fine. For the most part there was mixed teams, it didn't matter. Mm. And then once you hit intermediate or I don't know, secondary school, suddenly everything's divided. And that sucked. That sucked. I liked being able to play with the boys. Yeah. Yeah. I think as well, so often with sports, it's unnecessary. Of, like, you're just in PE playing dodgeball. Like, you don't have to divide groups. Like, yeah. people can all just play together. It's like... I mean, obviously, there are so many politics around sports, which are, like... I'm not a sporty person, so I'm just like, I don't care. <laughs> but also, it's like, we... If you don't have to split groups up, then why are you splitting groups up? Yeah. Yeah. Like, if it's... I, I can agree, like, if it's the Olympics, then you're literally splitting people up between sport enhancement drugs mm. and natural athletes. And I, I that's just an example. Like, yeah. I can understand why you'd be a bit iffy about somebody who's on hormone therapy going into the Olympics. Yeah. But... I mean, if it's just, like, a community thing, couldn't it just be, like, for fun? Yeah. I think as well, like, there are a lot of studies that show that um, going on hormone replacement therapy, um, especially for trans women, um, their levels of testosterone is actually lower than cis women's, Mm. which makes it harder to build, for instance, muscle mass and stuff like that. Um, I'm not an expert on the topic, so don't take my word for everything, but... There are still, like, regulations and things. But I think as well, dividing people up into genders, also it excludes intersex people from um, participating. Um, And I I feel like sports as a whole just needs to develop in a way and categorise people maybe in a different way that is more fair and more inclusive. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I'm not a sporty person, so I don't know a whole heap, but yeah, that's where I'm coming from. But I totally agree, like, in in high school especially, it's, like, unnecessary of, like, you're just playing for fun. Yeah. And there is no need, you know, to break people up, even depending on skill levels, really, if you're just having a good time. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah, not, not having the language to, well, I guess... The awareness of language to communicate those sorts of things is quite difficult, especially when it came to really gender-divided sport things. Mm. Um, yeah, it yeah. wasn't fun. Yeah. I feel like there's just, like, a lot of living uncomfortably but not understanding why. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I always identify... Well, I always presented as a very masculine person, mm. literally from, like... The time I was a toddler, I re- refused to wear specific clothing to a point when my parents kind of had to give up and l- I chose what I wore. Get on, yeah, honestly. <laughs> Actually, I feel like I was probably a parent's worst nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> like, people say I'm so brave. No, no, I'm stubborn. <laughs> I would get to the point where if I was going, like, clothing shopping with my mother, if she picked up something I didn't want, 
you should be wasting money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would wear the same clothes day in, day out if I had to. Oh my gosh, when I was about, I think it must have been, I must have been five or six, I wore this Robin Hood costume every single day. I think it must have been for about a year. <laughs> I wore it almost every day. And actually, I have passport photos of me from that <laughs> age wearing that Robin Hood costume. Yeah, I was pretty stubborn about that stuff as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, flash forward. Is that a sign that a whole bunch of us could have been queer? Oh. oh. Yeah. I feel like yeah, in hindsight, I look back and I'm like, oh. I was so queer. I was like, <laughs> that was a sign. <laughs> How did everybody not know? Yeah. See, apparently people knew I was, I, I guess, trans before I did. Um, it wasn't, an, I actually, has Charlie been on the show? Yes. Okay, yeah. I, in my final year. <laughs> Hefty old man. <laughs> in my final year of high school, I was actually, um, becoming aware of the fact that non-binary identities and trans identities existed. And Charlie was one of my first points of contact in terms of learning what a binder was mm. and that Inside Out existed properly. Um, shout out to Charlie for educating me. Yeah. Love you, Charlie. <laughs> um, I feel like this show should just be called the I Love Charlie show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I... I totally resonate with that of I didn't know that non-binary identities really existed either until I was probably about 16, I think. And then from there, it was sort of like a slow process of realizing like, oh, yeah, I'm non-binary. Um, because it's, I think as well, once you, when you learn about things, they seem a bit other mm. of like, oh, yeah, like people exist like that, but not me. That sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. I mean, I always knew I didn't exist the same way as everybody around me. I just didn't know what I exactly was. Yeah. I knew I was really uncomfortable and that I didn't like being lumped into this is the role of a female in this society because screw you, no. Yeah, yeah. But it wasn't until literally like the end of high school that I realised, wait, okay, maybe, maybe a queer identity is a lot more relevant. Yeah. But it literally wasn't until the next year when I went to a Christian performing arts school, which was actually really great for me, um, that I realised, you know what, hormone therapy is probably a good idea. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, spoiler alert, it was a much better idea. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So how long have you been on hormones now? Um, I'm now on like 13 months. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Congrats. Yeah. People always say time flies, and when you're waiting for the hormones to come, it doesn't. But once you're on them, it flies so quickly. Mm, yeah. What's your experience been like going on hormones and how things changed? I mean, I feel a lot more comfortable in myself as a person. Uh, a lot of it will vary depending on people's reasons for going on hormones, whether it's just to... Uh, express themselves more masculinely whether it's for comfort or because you want to be seen as a, a male or a female as mm. it is yeah um i've just felt like i've become a lot more me putting on muscles a lot easier my voice is a lot deeper and i actually love it despite the fact i can't sing or do much anymore <laughs> 
I think that's my favorite thing about when people go on to of like you don't see them for two weeks and suddenly they're like Morgan Freeman and like <laughs> their voices drop so quickly and I love it so much it's my favorite I mean you knew me before I started testosterone how has it been um, hearing my voice change from your perspective? It's been crazy. Like, I can't even remember your voice before T. <laughs> Go on some more than four videos. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Actually, I was doing a workshop yesterday and we played one of the more than four videos that you were in. And I was like, what, what, is, what, is that Shay? Are you sure? <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I think it's like with you and then with like other friends of mine that have gone on T as well of... Um, from my perspective, their transition has been really different of like, depending on like their biology, they'll change in different ways. Like some people mm. find it easier to like grow facial hair. Some people um, like get acne, some people don't. Um, but voice changes, like vo- their voices drop really quickly. Yeah. That, or at least that's from my perspective of like, you know, watching people go through their transition their voices are like the first things to drop. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, the first change that I've actually talked to a whole bunch of other people who have started specifically testosterone is the first thing we notice, our temperature shoots up. Ah. So um, it's like instead of being cold all the time, you walk around the block, you're sweating. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Ah. That was something I've ne- that's something I've never heard of before actually. Yeah, neither yeah. had we until we were discussing. Yeah. Did you like feel like everything suddenly heat up? Yeah. Yeah, apparently that's a thing. Oh, interesting. Um and I remember when I first felt my voice changing, um the Adam's apple, I could feel like a weird kind of achy thing like it was starting to drop from like the first month on tea. And usually that's when people can start to hear like your voice starting to change. So, like you said, you notice after, like, not seeing somebody for two weeks that it's changing. You can feel the voice literally dropping, too. Damn. That must be really cool, though, of, like, hearing but also feeling something, like, change and that being... Yeah. Yeah. Um, If you're really wanting to have a deeper voice, it's great. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. And there are also like things like voice therapy. I'm not sure how accessible it is um, in Wellington or in New Zealand, but that's also a great option for um, peeps that are wanting to, you know, either lower their voice or bring it higher, higher, higher the, higher their voice. That's not correct. <laughs> Make their voices that... higher. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I know that there's actually a lot of singing coaches. And a lot of singing techniques focus on um, bringing a voice higher as opposed to lower. Damn. So even if it's not necessarily everyday vocals, yeah, um, you'll be able to pick up techniques that can help you, I don't know, express yourself in a better way. Oh, awesome. That's so cool. And like they're working specifically with trans people or? Um, some people are. I I met somebody who was uh, doing a thing for the trans group I go to, and that was specifically about um, heightening your voice. Mm. And for most of them, they were trans feminine people. Um, but for me, I was going. I was there for vocal technique yeah. and singing. 
um, I know that there are vocal coaches who are very open to LGBTQIA plus communities. Yeah. So. Yeah. Oh, it's, yeah. it's always good to know. Like whenever someone's like, "Yeah, I went to this like this place and it was super trans friendly," I'm just like, oh, yes. <laughs> "Yeah, <laughs> look at us go!" Yeah. Yeah. Surprisingly enough, um, a lot of my early vocal stuff was actually through like Christian people, mm. and despite everything, they were pretty accepting of me. Maybe it was because I didn't, I wasn't on testosterone as much then. Yeah. But I was still very masculine and very obviously queer yeah and there was no hesitation between helping me try to change my vocal qualities oh yeah i'm not sure how open that'd be to people who are on hormone therapy but i know that there are definitely people willing to teach and give that out yeah that's actually something i find really interesting because i also grew up in like a religious household and went to church like um but it was always that sort of thing of like if as I think it's easier for I I say easier in quotation marks for like trans mask people because mm. I feel like a lot of the time masculine is seen as the default yeah or like if women are masculine people are like chill um so trans mask people maybe find it a little bit easier to present masculinely without people saying like don't do that stop it mm-hmm. whereas trans femme people probably find that a lot harder because of the the ge- like gender roles and expectations not saying that it's not difficult for trans mask people because i definitely had a really hard time with people telling me i should be more ladylike or mm. whenever i cut my hair they'd always do that thing of like oh but your hair was so pretty and i'm just <laughs> like so could leave me alone <laughs> yeah of, it's definitely hard but i think there are different expectations that do have like quite a deep root in misogyny and yeah yeah that seeing masculine as somehow better or mm. masculine being sort of like the middle ground whereas being feminine is sort of like looked down upon yeah yeah i definitely agree with that i've had a lot easier time during my transition than um one of my f- trans feminine friends people of it often misgender her because she doesn't present as extremely feminine um but i guess Something that we kind of have to remember is expression is not necessarily a reflection of who a person is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, There is a lot of danger I've noticed for trans women in general just attending everyday things, whether it be a um, social gathering or bathrooms or going into a cafe and when it comes to ordering something with a name. Yeah. Simple things like that, I definitely agree. There, There is so much social anxiety and navigation that has to be done. Yeah, I think that's something we're seeing, especially like we hear so many horrific stories um, from the States specifically. I think mm. we hear a lot of stories there of trans women being like um, some really awful things happening over there, specifically to trans women, um, which is absolutely awful and I absolutely do believe that it comes from a place of misogyny it comes from a place of like toxic masculinity mm-hmm. and people having expectations of like oh you were born like this therefore you should act like this and it's so frustrating yeah 
why can't people just yeah. not be mean? <laughs> True. Why yes. can't people just not be mean and treat everybody else like you want to be treated? Yeah. I hope we can get to a place like that. Um, we have come to the end of our time on air, um, but we are going to continue this in podcast form. So you can find us on Spotify, Podbean, and iTunes Music, um, uh, just under uh, Speak Out Radio. Um, so hopefully you'll come and continue this conversation with us. You've been listening to Speak Out Radio on 106.1 FM. Hello. Welcome back. We're just carrying on. Welcome to the loyal ones. <laughs> Hello. We, we value loyalty in this household. <laughs> or the studio. Yeah, in this studio, we, we value loyalty. <laughs> yeah. If, if anybody betrays me in here, I'll come for them. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so I guess it, it would be awesome to just, like, carry on with what we were talking about because I think, um, I mean we were sort of talking about how the difference between trans mask people and trans femme people and their different experiences. I think it is important for people to keep in mind that we're both two trans mask people. Yeah. Um, so we don't have that experience of being trans femme. Yeah. Um, but we have, we are a part of the community. We do like interact with trans femme people and we do like, you know, keep up to date on the, the latest, you know, what ha- mm. what's happening. Um, yeah, yeah, but I forgot where I was going with that. I lost my train of thought. I was like, yeah, yeah. Um, Something y- about trans yeah. mass, trans family yeah. and yeah. our day-to-day lives. Yeah, but I definitely think, like, there is so much discrimination against trans femme people. Definitely. Um, and actually that's – it was a, a point that was brought up um, while I was – I was go. I was doing a couple of workshops with another person at Inside Out, and they made this point of like, in schools, your your uniforms, if they are gendered, anybody should be able to access them. And that's not just that, um, you know, people that were assigned female at birth uh, get to wear shorts. It should also be that people that were assigned male at birth should be able to wear skirts. Because mm-hmm. when we tell those people that they can't wear skirts, not only are we like you know, telling them that they can't do that and can't express themselves, but we're also saying that somehow being feminine is, wrong. yeah, is wrong or inferior in some way, um, which ever since I heard that, I started noticing it, like, everywhere I went of, like, um, cis women are, like, shat on for being more feminine. Yeah. And... Um, cis men, if they're feminine as well, they're uh, automatically gay. Yeah, automatically gay, or they're looked down upon, or their masculinity. Um, if they, you know, if they have any masculinity, which most people do, that is somehow devalued as well. Yeah. Um, and I think as well for for trans men, if like they present femininely in any way it's sort of like not trans they're not men yeah then suddenly you're not trans enough or you're not you know presenting masculinely enough i feel like something we really need to do in this in our i guess not just western society but in our world in general is question what exactly is this idea of manliness Mm. and what is masculinity not in a social construct like the very root of it what is it and how how do we define that in each and every person? Yeah, yeah. 
because everybody like I feel that most people inherently have masculine and feminine sides as well as like yeah you know sides that are neither of those things yeah the definition of masculine femme is only one aspect yeah of like if you wear a suit that doesn't mean that you're inherently a more masculine person it just means you enjoy wearing suits which are sort of like typecasted as being masculine um yeah but that's a good point of like the way you express yourself does not determine whether or not you're a masculine person or a feminine person or an androgynous person like Mm -hmm. expression is not identity Basically, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's when it comes to school uniforms, that was also something that I was really scared about because I have never worn a skirt in my life. <laughs> I'm terrified of it. I genuinely had a panic attack right before a drama performance where I thought I was going to have to wear one. Damn, yeah. Um, I can't imagine how bad that would be for trans feminine people who day in, day out have to wear something masculine despite the fact that they might just want to wear the prettiest flowy dress or at a ball when everybody is able to get pampered yeah they can't yeah exactly and i feel like there is definitely it comes from that place of um if people are assigned male at birth where skirts are immediately targeted like Mm. there is an immediate target on them um which is devastating and i think as well that means that until we break down though that culture of violence against um trans femme people uh trans femme people are not going to feel safe to wear skirts even if it's an option because yeah it could mean that uh people will start being violent towards them they'll start getting harassed that sort of thing and that's why it's important that we break down this culture of stereotyping as well yeah I, 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 one thing I've never been able to understand, why does it matter what somebody wears? Why, why do we care so much? They're literally just clothes. They're just pieces of fabric. I mean, if, it's, if, if you're trying to do something fashionable, then sure, you have your fashionable niche. Yeah. But why, why does it matter so much? Yeah. Why do we care so much about what bathroom somebody uses? Mm. People are just trying to pee. we just want to (laughs) be yeah i think as well it goes down to that thing of at the end of the day clothes should be for us like they shouldn't be for other people i think especially when looking at uniforms especially school uniforms it's about the school not about the individual it's about that school saying like this is our property this is our person and then trying to hold on to a level of prestige that so you shouldn't be worried about. They should be more worried about education. Mm. Of like your a good uniform doesn't mean you're gonna have the best quality education. Yeah, it exactly. It just means that people spend a lot more money on the uniform. Yeah, exactly. And like somebody wearing whatever uniform they want isn't gonna, you know, it could improve the how educated they are, and it's not gonna impact other people's education. Yeah. At the end of the day. Like, a boy with long hair isn't going to make him any more gay, and it's not yeah. going to lessen how much he can learn. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Ugh, society. <laughs> society. Whoa. Yeah. I feel like that should just be, like, the title of this episode. It's just, ugh, society. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let <Yeah>. us live. <laughs> but also, across some cultures, it's perfectly acceptable for... Um, men to wear, I guess, what, 
and Western culture would consider a skirt. Yeah. It's traditional clothing everywhere else, except in this culture. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, exactly. And I feel like as well, when we um, tell people that they can't wear certain things, it does take away that um, like recognition that we have for different cultures and for mm. different expressions of um, gender and different expressions of masculinity and femininity of like different cultures and different societies will express themselves in different ways. Yeah. 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 Ay, ay, ay. Colonialism, it's really just like destroyed everything. <laughs> yeah. I've recently been trying to. Uh figure out where my roots actually are, like, pre-colonization and pre-industrial revolution. Yeah. Um, there's probably, Cuba being probably, like, people in my family who know something, but most of our traditions, I think, come from a place of trauma and fear that in order to survive, you had to live according to the colonizing ways. And that kind of feels like it's one of the reasons why Tereo is starting to die out. Mm. Like, right now I'm really bummed that I was never taught it further than early primary school level. Yeah. Um, and at the time it was because a lot of parents weren't happy about the fact that kids were forced to learn Tereo in school. Yeah. Colonization, when now that the language is starting to die out, it's like, we hardly have any now, any, I forgot the word, any 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 fluent speakers yeah yeah i i do think that we're seeing more of a like i don't want to say like a comeback but we've definitely seen more people that are interested in learning it mm. like last night we had um inside out put together like a a 101 treo class uh, where most of what we did was going through pronunciation yeah. but i think as well that shows that some people are like willing to learn and Jay, um, our chairperson who ran that, they are just fantastic and they're doing so much work to keep um, Tereo thriving and to bring it to other people and I think that's amazing. And But I agree with you of like, if Tereo isn't compulsory in schools, how can we expect people to grow up um, with fluent, um, fluent in Tereo. Also, how can we expect people that, you know, have been learning Tereo since they were real young to be able to keep that level of fluency yeah. if they can't even practice it anywhere other than inside their own homes? I couldn't even practice it inside my own home. Um, because of where I lived, we were completely English speaking and my mother was full Dutch. My mother was full Māori. A, a full entire Dutch. Yeah. Yeah. Full Dutch. Yeah. Full Māori. Yeah. And neither of them could speak their language properly because it was kind of suppressed to speak and only for them to speak English. So when it came to me, um, like technically a few generations down, I have almost no roots in any other culture, which is kind of sad to me now because mm. there's so much richness to cultural identity and expression, especially when it comes to LGBT identities. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like, your, your fucker papa is so inherent to who you are as a person, and when you lose that connection, you lose, like, a little part of yourself that could help you express yourself in a certain way. Yeah. yeah. But also, 
we touched slightly on like the idea of Christianity a bit before. I felt that same sort of fear with my own culture for a long time because uh, what I did see of my culture was like split up between the men do this and the women do this. That always felt inherently wrong and not my place. People would tell me a certain thing was my place, but it always felt like it wasn't. And now that I'm on tea, people are like, okay, yeah, this isn't your place, but you can't do this either. Yeah, of like, you don't fit in anywhere. Yeah, Yeah. I have to literally, like, start this new queer identity uh, placement in a lot of my culture, which is interesting considering that probably wasn't an issue pre-colonization. Yeah. I think as well, like, we... um... Uh, Chef Tui, which is our annual gay camp, I suppose. <laughs> like we we hold shift on a marae, and when we do the the porphyry, like the um, welcoming, yeah, the welcoming, um, they do say is it um, women go first and wahine and yeah, then tane, yeah. yeah. Um, but instead of doing that, they were like masculine people, you know. Yeah. Yeah, which is I think. a fantastic way of how it probably would have been of like you know the this construct of mega binary genders and not Mm. having any freedom within that is a like a colonial construct and that's something we have to break down and I think um especially someone who me as someone who grew up in Europe um I come from like Germany and Scotland which are like Germany especially is so gendered um and it's sort of speech pattern as well there there is literally um we have daddy das the the three they're sort of like the like what the is in English we have daddy das in German um der is masculine d is feminine das is neuter but it's only for objects so you can't use it for people um and even just through that language is like there is no fluidity there it is rigid Mm -hmm. and it is stuck within these gender roles that you know we all have to start deconstructing and that it's super hard when that's something that you've grown up with and you don't have any or it, it feels like and you don't know of any connection to that fluidity beforehand yeah yeah, I feel like that's one of the things we are privileged with in English. We have the vocabulary already there to um, put into our everyday speech. But even Spanish is similar to that. Mm. There are gendered terms and gendered... I don't know what the language... Gendered articles? Yeah. Yeah. Particles, <laughs> articles, whatever. That, let, let's pretend that we know what we're talking <laughs> about. Yeah. I mean, I know what I'm talking about. I just don't know the logi- yeah, yeah, that's logistics. Fair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I don't actually know what, how that plays into Māori culture either, because we never learn anything outside of core. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Refer to yourself as core, mm. <laughs> and that's all we basically had. We, I feel like we could have been taught so much more about the makeup of languages through being. Um, learning to do from an early age mm. um yeah language is such a big part of how we learn to understand ourselves yeah absolutely and I, I feel like i don't know 
a whole heap about Tereo, which I'm sort of like, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm like right at the start of my journey with it. But um, Jay and Britt, who both came in um, for the episodes that we did about Tereo and Takatapui identities, I've learned so much through them and learning about like the whakapapa of words of mm. like every almost every single word in Treo has a, a deep has a deep meaning yeah that is and even with like gendered words they have a deep meaning that isn't rooted in binary genders yeah of like even though like tane means man like I don't really know much about the the whakapapa of that word or the history of that word, but it it isn't rooted in the same idea of this binary gender that you know. Mm. It's more Europeans about connection do. to the earth and all its resources and what it means to exist this certain way, as opposed to you yeah. were born with this body. Do this thing, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But I don't know that much so I feel like I can't talk too much to it mm. but that's something that I've realized through the the small snippets of education that I've had mm. um which I think sort of like just like total cause what you're saying about language being so inherent to how we relate to ourselves and to each other yeah um last year I actually went to the Takatapuihui um, and I was one of the youngest people there. Most of the people were like mid thirties and up, but it was really interesting to meet a whole bunch of Maori queer people who have a whole bunch of different identities, upbringings, beliefs, but at the center of it, we were all, we all didn't fit in the way our society currently runs with our culture. And we're all actively trying to make it a safer place. I don't know. It was so interesting to have a whole bunch of these people in one small area. Um, when growing up, I literally had no Ooh. clue. <laughs> Shay's mic just fell over. <laughs> I didn't a nice, like, nice save, though. Nice <laughs> save. Yeah. Um, I literally had no clue that queer things existed and could exist in my culture literally prior to last year, mm. which is crazy now. Yeah. Yeah. And I, sad. Yeah. And I feel like that's, um, it must be so hard to sort of try and balance that thing of culture and identity. Like I've definitely found that with being German, like obviously it's very different, but it's yeah. like, I don't, in the German language, we don't have anything that expresses my non-binary identity at all. Um, and that makes it super hard to be able to connect to um, the family that I have oh, over there yeah. because I'm not able to express who I am to them because they don't speak English. Ooh. Therefore, I can't express that because I don't have the language for it, which makes it in turn hard to connect to my like my German roots in any way because I'm not able to see myself in that at all. Yeah. 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 That's, that's actually basically the same thing. Like, even though we're in completely different cultures and completely different contexts, yeah. the root is feeling disconnected from something because you can't find yourself in it. Mm. 
and that's kind of one of the things I've been noticing while I'm at uni as well. Um, it's not just us, there's also a whole bunch of international students who have literally left their homes and their existence has to be hidden in their homes, but in this new place, there's like nowhere they belong. And that kind of makes me sad because I don't really feel like it shouldn't matter if you're a migrant or an international student, if you're born here or just visiting, like people should be able to be themselves in a safe and comfortable way. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And I think that's, yeah, especially with how the world is at the moment, it must be so hard to like come to a new country in the first place is mm. like you're leaving your family and your friends and going to a completely new place that you've probably never been to before you but might not also, even have the language to communicate yeah yeah which is i can't even imagine that to be honest of going to a place and not being able to fully communicate that's something that i can't that's never been my experience and i can't imagine how scary in a way that must be Mm. um but i also have so much admiration for people that that do that because they're literally throwing themselves into a new place they've never been there before they might not have any connections here at all but they're coming here to to study and to find themselves and really dedicating themselves which is amazing and i think you know we as people that live here should do our part to make them feel comfortable definitely regardless of what their identity is as well. Mm. like We accept cishet people too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But a level beyond that, anybody who comes here to escape being unsafe in the place that they've grown up in for their existence, whether it be women who worked a day and suddenly, how dare you, yeah. you're banished. Yeah. People who might have been imprisoned because of something stupid. Yeah. Um, people who literally got beaten for trying to express themselves in their country. Mm. <sighs> yeah. It's so, like, it's so heartbreaking that those sort of things do happen in the world, and they definitely still do happen here. Um, yeah. Like, we have a lot of, you know, systematic racism. We have systematic transphobia and homophobia and biphobia. Like, we need to deconstruct our systems as well and you know we have to be better as well but mm-hmm. it's amazing to me that so many people find a safe haven here um and hopefully we keep our, our arms and our doors wide open it's really sad when a lot of those things are just accepted as normal and how it should be yeah yeah it's devastating well, that was the, the sad portion of our show. <laughs> yeah. Everybody go grab some tissues. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I like I want to really acknowledge like that and want to acknowledge like your journey as well of like, you know, we all have to go on our journey of connecting to our culture and connecting to, you know, our families and the place that we live and the place that, you know, we feel comfortable and mm-hmm. it doesn't matter where you are on that journey or where we are on that journey because like at the end of the day life is a journey get that like embroidered on a pillow or something like (laughs) but it is all about you know slowly progressing and slowly continuing on this journey and just 
being open to others and being open to ourselves and our own experiences. Yeah. Yeah. I could be on a Pinterest board or something. That was inspirational. That would be like an entire picture covered in words. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you can barely see the mountain behind it. Maybe we could make like a little uh, PDF folder with like a whole bunch of our speak out topics um, similar to the more than four, but with like relevant images to each person's oh my god <laughs> should we make that a thing can we make that a thing i will happily help oh design god. that make it a thing please Jake. yes this yes. is on the podcast now yeah. it's official yeah we're, we're going mixed media now <laughs> yeah <laughs> this is my art project this is our art project hashtag i'm currently a design student and a creative so if anybody actually has ideas like this hit me up at the needy bean on instagram oh yeah yeah <laughs> gotta get some self-promo in there self-promo but also so genuinely, if people have ideas, yeah, please, we we all need to contribute to this. Reach out, reach out. Yeah, please do. Yeah, and yeah, talking about like your art, um, at the needy being on Instagram, <laughs> um, you're like you do amazing photography. You're you do amazing like artwork as well. Like your drawing is fantastic. Absolutely love it. Um, but you've also been in a couple shows this mm-hmm. year, or was it just the one? Um. This year it was that one show. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping to get involved with some more next year. Oh, and, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about um, the show that you were involved in and sort of like, you know, tell us yeah. everything about it, Shay. Um, so earlier this year I was in a show bec- that was called Running Late and it was actually written by Courtney Rose Brown, who uh, she just recently graduated from Vic Uni with a degree in writing and stuff. Congrats. Um. She herself is queer, and hey. yeah, um, she wrote this play, and it actually won an award, and it got um, made into a proper production that was being done at Bats this year. I love Bats. Bats, are, Bats does amazing. Like they put on so many queer shows that yeah. it warms my heart. Yeah, very inclusive. I feel like the theatre society here is like tighten yeah, it yeah yeah actually um, i was at bats because um there was a show there a, a couple weeks ago called ransom oh yes i heard that. yeah it was absolutely fantastic um but on their bathroom doors there they they have gendered bathrooms but on the doors there they have like batman stickers that are like the non-binary flag saying use whichever bathroom you want to yeah and i'm just like that is oh, perfect yeah amazing yeah it's great um, well, similarly, on that note, Running, Le- Running Late um, focused on our main character called Jamie, um, and she basically stays at a bus stop throughout the entire play, and a whole bunch of characters come into the scenes, interact with each other, interact with her, we experience a bit about their um, life stories, their, I don't know, why they're there, where they're going and it kind of wraps up into a neat tidy uh slice of life new zealand thing um my character was called charlie hey charlie (laughs) yeah that was the first thing i thought actually and um he was written as a trans male so for me that was pretty cool actually having a role that was written like that Mm. um regarding acting being somebody who's identity is not cis yeah i always had a lot of trouble trying to find roles that i could do well 
especially because prior to starting to most of my roles were female um that in itself is fine except for one time i had to try and play an american pretty girl <sighs> yeah wow yeah that must have been an experience. That was really difficult. Yeah. That was really difficult. Um, it, it was important. Like, I do need to expand what I can play. But to go from having to force myself into roles like that to being able to play something more authentically me, it was it was great. Yeah. And a lot of my story was similar to what was written for Charlie as well. Um, a lot of the questions that got asked, I have been asked in real life. So for me, it was really funny having a play with those. Um, there were several times where um, my director and some of my fellow actors would ask, wait, are you okay? Is this okay? Can we ask this? And it's like, go for it. Ask it as yeah. bad as you want. Yeah. My snapping is literally just like a funny reflection of what once was for me. Yeah. 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 That's so awesome, though. And I think... Um there is something really freeing about being able to like as somebody watching like shows and stuff i de- sadly i didn't go to go um get to go watch your show mm. which i really i really wish i had <laughs> um but there is something really freeing about just watching people especially like watching trans characters being played by trans actors there is something yeah. so um i don't know there's something so connecting there of like I feel so much more connected to them I feel so much more connected to the characters and the stories and is that what it's like to act that as well of like you feel more like involved or feel more uncomfortable uh uncomfortable more comfortable (laughs) playing that um for me I never cared as much about the gender and more about um what sort of character was written um so i would be perfectly perfectly happy to still play a female role if it was something really intriguing Mm. but being able to have something that is trans related definitely makes it more comfortable and easier to connect to from a i guess internal route as Mm. opposed to something more theoretical yeah yeah but also Something you can laugh at. Our leading, our lead from um, Running Late, um, she got left at the bus stop by her boyfriend, but I found out during the play that she is actually gay. Ooh, uh, <laughs> yes. So. Yes, I love it. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Thank the, <laughs> thank the, the theatre community. Yeah. Just so many gays everywhere. Yeah, literally. It's kind of hard to find somebody in the theatre community who is not somewhat LGBT yeah. or doesn't, like, engage with people who are. Yeah. I feel like it's impossible, to be honest. I feel like we've just... We've taken over the theatre community. Not even just theatre at this point. Like, at my design school, <laughs> I was shocked last year when I went to a gay bar for the first time and I, I recognised a whole bunch of people. That was shocking. All, all art students are gay. I'm sorry. Like you, you go to art school. You're gay. It's like you might, you might have been cishet beforehand, but now you're not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Going from, in the like the very um, poor 
part of the hut. Yeah. <laughs> where you had to have like a hour ride into Wellington to experience anything queer. Damn. Going from that to this is like crazy and I can't imagine what it would be like coming to New Zealand from a country where this is such a progressive place. Mm. Like Yeah. I think as well, like that I I resonate with that a lot as well of I was homeschooled um for a large portion of my life. Mm. Um so I didn't really get to interact with a lot of queer people at all. Of like I didn't really get to interact with anybody outside of like a a white cis het Christian, you know, church or family. That would have um, done wonders on your identity. Oh my gosh, I had such a fun time, let me tell you. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, but like now looking back on it, I can't imagine how much more freeing it would have been to have been able to see queer people like in media or around me. Um, mm. Yeah. Although I feel like something that also comes into that is um, your parents' generation and what they went through. My parents were older, so I guess most people our age is grandparents. Okay, boomer. (laughs) (laughs) Well, literally, yeah. Yeah. They're basically, well, they're almost, uh, if they were still alive, they would almost be like retirement age. Oh, yeah. To put it in perspective, so my parents' generation were like a reflection of um, people who were forced into colonization. So that was their way of surviving. Now, my siblings are the age that most of our generation's parents are. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So a lot of my cousins and my siblings are a lot more progressive and open to these things. Because that's when a lot of this uh, big change and campaigning really happened. Leading into our generation, where we're like, this should already be done. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, that's something that Will and I talked a little bit about. uh, We talked about it a lot, to be honest. Um, Last week, uh, with um, talking specifically about trans elders. Mm. And, you know, how for them living... And just existing was a form of resistance and rebellion. Yeah. Whereas now we tend to be a bit more... Obviously, um, so many trans elders, like, did go out and they were, like, really involved in fighting for our rights and fighting for their own rights. But it's more common now, I think, for people to... And it's so much more safe and so much more comfortable to be able to do that as well. And I think as well, like, I resonate with what you're saying about... Um, even people, non-rainbow people, people outside the community, they don't, they don't have the education that we have now. They don't, they didn't have access to the internet the way we do now. Mm. They, they probably like, they probably, actually, they most definitely had queer friends who just didn't feel safe to be out because of the time. Or maybe didn't yeah. even know that they were. Yeah. That they just went along and noticed that something was wrong. Yeah. Like, they just carried on living in that uncomfortable feeling but didn't have the words for it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Which is, I think, really important to keep in mind because I think it's so easy for us as young people to just be like, you should just know everything when, um, you know, people still need to get educated and, you know, if we don't 
we need to make education freely available, not only for younger people, but also for older people. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, if they're being asses, then we don't have to, you know, it's not rainbow people's... Responsibility. Yeah, yeah, exactly. To educate everybody, but also... We have to do that in order to yeah. um, make sure that every generation has at least a bit of an understanding. Yeah, and like it might be really late on in their lives, but if they open to having that education, then that's a really positive thing that we as yeah. young people can give them. Yeah. The key word is whether they're open to these things or if they're dead set in the way things were. Yeah. In which case, you can't really do much, just make sure that you and everybody else who um, could be in danger are as safe as possible. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, We've been going for a solid hour and four minutes. Dang. Dang. Yeah. Um, Do you have any last, like, thoughts or last words that you want to say before we we sign off? Uh, I want to appear again because this is fun. Oh, the the mic fell over again. (laughs) Yeah. Oof. Yeah. So yeah, we should definitely, you should definitely come back on again. I'm yeah. really excited to do more work with you. I think it'll be really fun. Yeah, hit us up with ideas for this. <laughs> for this Pinterest re- board. <laughs> for this resource thing we're going to work on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which we definitely should do. I think that'd be really cool to turn this into, like, um, I think as a resource, like, I think this is kind of cool. It's like you get to t- um, listen to people talking about their identities and their experiences, but I think as well it would be really awesome to make it a bit more accessible. Of Like, yeah. some people can't sit for an hour-long podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I can barely sit through an hour-long podcast. Yeah. 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 All right. Okay. So thank you for listening to Shane Cubbis' art project. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Um, thank you so much for listening. Um, Kakeets! <laughs> Kakeets! <laughs> <laughs>